You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and unfortunately, we have some news on a player who potentially may never see the gridiron with the 12th man again due to personal reasons. We're going to be breaking down all that and much, much more. This episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON20. Don't forget the 2-0 to save 20% of all purchases at Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. As always, make sure you're following us on social media, especially all you new listeners and joiners from Tigna, WFFA, wherever you're coming from. Here's what you need to do. Follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th man related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So I kind of brought this up a couple weeks ago about how I think Antonio Johnson's role is going to be used in more ways than none. At the end of the season, Devin Morris, the team's starting nickel defender, had a, I believe it was a chest injury, if I'm not mistaken. So he was out for the final two games of the year, including the bowl game. What that did is it allowed Antonio Johnson, the freshman from Illinois, the number one safety from the state of Illinois, if I'm not mistaken, he was either the number one or number two player for the state of Illinois, earn his keep. Now, Mike Elko's defense, which is a base 4-2-5, will sometimes want a big nickel playing down low. So, Devin Morris, who's a little bit smaller and a little bit lankier, can play more of like a broad nickel position. He's more of a cover guy. He's more of a, you know, a short pass intermediate. Johnson, although he's very good in coverage, he is. If you've watched his film from high school, he's very good in coverage. But it doesn't really matter because what matters is what Mike Elko thinks. And Elko sometimes wants to play big nickel and sometimes he plays small. The smaller nickel being Morris and the bigger nickel being, of course, uh, Johnson, who I do think Johnson eventually moves back to safety. There's just no place for him right now with Damani Richardson and Leon O'Neal back there. However, his role is going to have to expand, especially because of what we have found out. Devin Morris shared on social media earlier this past week that he is stepping away from football <coughs> because of his off-the-field mental struggles. And he left an entire message Here's what it was. Mental health is so important and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Being open about this wasn't easy. I've been battling through forms of depression for a while now and it has been a while that I have been trying to push through for so long. There has been a hard decision to make, but I have decided to take a break from football for a little bit. I don't know for how long, but I will be graduating from Texas A&M in May and planning on getting my master's as well. This is a grown man's decision I had to make, and it is so much bigger than football. For starters, I applaud Devin Morris. To be able to speak about depression and to be able to speak about mental health is a big deal. It's an incredibly important deal. And I don't think people realize 
how much your mental health matters to your well-being. Sometimes you need a mental health thing. Sometimes you need a mental health week. You need to be able to reset your mind and put yourself in a situation to where you're going to be okay. The biggest thing of all is that I know a lot of people because of COVID-19 who are dealing with even worse mental health problems than they were before. And I'll be open and honest. I'm one of them. I've had my own share of doubts and scary thoughts and thoughts of just wanting to give up because of everything that this has taken away from me. And I work in a business that I don't know if tomorrow I'm going to be here. Not that I won't be here alive. Hopefully I'll be here alive, but every day another journalistic industry gets shut down. More people get laid off. And more people get laid off, that means more competition to try to stay in the game a little longer. And that's just the reality of it. It happens all the time. And it stinks, but that's what the reality is. So mental health is very important, and it's important to me, and I'm very proud of Devin to be able to come out and say, yeah, I need a break. I need to set my goals to the side, and I need to figure myself out first. And the good news is that he's at an age, and this is something that's going to piss off a lot of people, and I don't really care. He's at an age where, in life, he can take a mental health day. The enjoyment of playing football for fans is the last thing on his mind. And no offense, it should be. Because of if he had a family to take care of, if he had all these bills to pay, if he had all these criterias that he had to go through, taking a mental health day is always okay. But you can't take a mental health week. He's at an age, and he's at a point where, yeah, football's important, but my life's more important. In fact, it's so much more important, I'm willing to sacrifice losing a shot of me making my dream of becoming an NFL player a reality because I have to get right here before I can get right there on the field. As a junior, Moore started in three games at the nickelback role. He played in five games last year. The six foot one, 200-pound defender saw action in eight of the team's total games and finished with 25 tackles, two tackles for losses, and three pass breakups. The Codwell, Texas native, was ranked as a four-star talent coming out in 2017. He was redshirted his first year on campus and did not see any action in 2018. Last season, he played in 11 games, had 11 tackles, 3 tackles for losses, 2 sacks and interception, and 2 pass breakups. Because of the NCAA ruling of the 2020 season will not count to eligibility, Morris technically will be a junior again in 2021 and could return by that time. He will have 2 years of eligibility should he come back to play football at A&M or go elsewhere. So the main question is, what does A&M do now without Morris? You're going to play Antonio Johnson. That's that's what you're going to do. You're going to play him. He's going to be a chess piece. He's going to be probably playing a bit of a rover role. You'll play him in coverage. You'll play him down low. You'll play him high. He will be effective for your roster in, multi- in a multitude of ways. Absolutely. The other thing that I think you will see Mike Elko do is he will start playing Joshua Moten. 
the freshman cornerback from Maryland, who was the number one cornerback coming out of his class. This is a five foot ten, 189-pound defender. He is meant to play in the nickel. He is meant to play in a defense that will allow him to play probably the uh, sideline side of the field more than the open space. He's a good tackler. He's extremely knowledgeable in coverage. And I think that he's going to be able to step up this year and play in Morris's role should Morris sit out the entire 2021 season. Now, again, if Morris sits out, that doesn't mean he's ever going to be able to come back. It just means that, one, his starting role is no longer going to be a guarantee. And number two, and probably the biggest one, his roster spot is no longer going to be guaranteed. But he will have two years of eligibility, so if this is the end for Morris in College Station, so be it. I believe he will return, very similar to what we saw with Leon O'Neill last year. And Jimbo Fisher, the one thing you got to give a lot of credit to him, he understands this for his players. This is a big deal for his players, and he is going to make sure that his players are right in the head, just like they're right on the field. If they're not right on the in the head, they will not step foot on that field. So hopefully, Devin, if you ever listen to this podcast, we here at Locked On Aggie support you. I have been through something similar, and I hope that this is something that helps get you back on the right foot. This episode of Locked On Aggies is brought to you by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, or really just erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is very similar to that of Viagra and Cialis because it uses the same active ingredients, but it's chewable and it costs a fraction of the price. Blue Chew's tablets all combat forms of ED and can help men gain the extra confidence when it's time to step up and perform. It's an online prescription service, so there's no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package, so no nosy neighbor is going to be wondering what you have. And the process is very simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of your licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive the prescription within days. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem. That's why it's called Blue Chew. And Blue Chew's Cyndaphil and Tadaphil tablets are chewable. They're made in the USA, prepared, and shipped directly to your house, so it's even cheaper than going to a pharmacy. We got a special offer for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free of Blue Chew. And we thank Blue Chew for supporting our podcast. The 2021 NCAA tournament is here, and that means betting is going to be back at an all-time high. So we got you covered at the one place we love and the one place we trust. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to make your bets in all sports actions. Plus, they even cover award TV shows and reality TV. So tonight is the finale of The Bachelor. Go get your bets in to see who will be the winner of it all. Real-time updates, odds, and props on almost everything you can imagine. Head on over to their website at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 50% off with a welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action, talking all things Texas A&M. The NCAA tournament is right around the corner, and we have our own bets, but... That does not mean that you should not join in on our Bracket Challenge. Go to ESPN and join the Locked On Bracket Challenge. It's just ESPN.com. Type in Locked On Podcast Bracket Challenge. Join in and see if you have a chance to be the winner of our Fan Bracket Challenge. With us right here from Locked On Podcast. Your team every day. 
Let's turn our attention to the diamond where Texas A&M had to play to, and they won to. They had a doubleheader this past weekend over the likes of the Samford Bulldogs, and in both games, Texas A&M was able to pull out the massive victory. A&M won both games against the Bulldogs, dominating in the front end of it with a 24-4 victory before capping it off with a 5-2 win. A&M's offense bludgeoned the Bulldogs pitching all afternoon before Jonathan Childress, the redshirt freshman, I might add, because of, again, last season, doesn't really count, was able to make almost history. The ruling is you want 27 up and 27 down. If that happens, you have a perfect game. Unfortunately, Jonathan Childress came just close. His bid to perfection carried all the way into the seventh inning before a dink ball on an infield single from Max Pinto to third base side wrecked the destiny. He ended up closing out the game with a line of, I think it was seven and two-thirds innings, and that was the only uh, play he gave up. Uh, the 40 product shined, allowing one run cross in 7.2 yeah, innings, striking out a career-high 13 batters without issuing a walk. While the perfect game and the no-hitter went away, Jonathan Childress's gem added the 10th victory to AM's winning streak as the conference play ended. Now, conference play begins against the Florida Gators. Every game from now on counts towards AM's final line in the SEC. So before all that happens, let's just make sure we recap what happened in the non-conference games. In Game 1, AM's offense scored early and often. They played it a run every inning to a 24-1-4 victory, culminating in 19 hits and 19, uh, 21 hits and 19 RBIs. 12 Aggies registered at least one base hit, while 8 drove in a run. As a team, AM hit 500 on the afternoon, 12 of 24 with runners in scoring position, and 500 on the afternoon, 7 of 14 with runners at third or better. Uh, this is what uh, Taylor Smith had to say after the game. Everybody's swinging the bat and everybody finding everyone was finding their barrels. Once you get on a roll, it's hard to get out of it. Everyone was having fun and there was an enlightening mood in the dugouts. The long ball was often used as a facet towards the team as well. In both games combined, A&M hit eight home runs, six of which came in the first game. Both Smith and Hunter Coleman blasted a pair, two home runs, on the afternoon. A&M's 1-3 start on the season. They have now won uh, 10 straight games. That puts them at 11-3, and they're over 500 entering conference play on Thursday. The confidence levels are rising to an all-time high. Before heading to Gainesville in SEC tournament play, there's one more game they have to get through. It is in the Bayou City of Houston, Texas, where they will take on the Cougars at Houston Schroeder Park. That is a one-game series that will go on at 6.30 first pitch. If A&M plays the way they have all non-conference, they're going to be a deep contender when it comes to the SEC season. And when you look at the rankings right now, according to the NCAA baseball website, the Aggies still are outside of the top 25. Now, they're close, but you look at all the other teams in the SEC. Arkansas comes in at 1, Mississippi State comes in at 2, Vanderbilt comes in at 3, Ole Miss comes in at 4, Florida comes in at 6, then you have South Carolina at 12, I believe you have one or two more, Tennessee at 18, and 
Alabama at 22. So A&M comes in at 27. They have a shot to be the most consistent team in the country this year when facing off against SEC opponents. The top four teams are SEC teams. Of the top 10 teams, five are SEC teams. Of the top 25 teams, seven are SEC teams. And I know that Asa Lacey and Christian Roa leaving last year was big blows. But this is a team that still has a ton of talent, especially at the corners, especially in the outfield, and at their frontline pitching. If they can figure out what they're going to do with that number four starter, they're going to be really dangerous down the stretch. And I'm very excited to see what AM can do, especially against Houston. See if they can keep that winning streak alive to make it 11. And what they can do, probably against the Gators. I don't expect them to win all three. But if they can get at least the series win and the three-game set, they're going to be in really good hands moving into the SEC season. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar. Now, we've been telling you for a while that Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there because it's low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, high in fiber, and great for anybody on the keto diet. But what is the best flavor? Now it's time to find out. With Built Bar Madness, when you go to BuiltBar.com and also type in the promo code LOCKEDON to save 15% off your next order, you will have a chance to vote for the Sweetest 16 to move on to the Enticing 8. Today's matchup is Toffee Almond versus Mint Brownie, and I am sticking with my guns. Toffee is better than mint anything. Mint is what you use for toothpaste, and if you like mint stuff, you probably eat a lot of toothpaste. So Toffee Almond is moving on for me, but what matters is what is moving on for you. Go visit BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to save 50% off your next order, and check back in later to see who's won today's matchup on their way at becoming the next great protein bar. Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. Make sure you guys are listening to the Peacock and Williamson show as NFL free agency is at an all-time high. NFL analyst Brad Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson break down all the key free agent signings, key additions, and where teams can start looking ahead towards the draft. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming NFL draft. And one player was highly mentioned this past weekend. That would be Jamon Osmond. Now, Osmond, as many of you know, opted out for the 2020 NFL season per the NCAA guidelines to enter the NFL draft on April, in April. Uh, now, Osmond is a name that is going to come with a double-edged sword, if you really think about it, because of there's a lot to like about him, but he also doesn't have any senior film and he was injured for part of the 2018 season. So he only has about two and a half years of real football that can actually be used. Now pro football uh, network, a blog, uh, they decided to do their scouting report on him this past weekend. And here was a couple of things that I can take away from it. So the positives were written as nice size receiver who plays big football and makes a lot of difficult receptions, consistently uses his frame to shield away defenders, display focus as well as concentration, looks the ball into his hands, makes difficult receptions with defenders draped on his back, a sort of receiver who nicely adjusts to the errant throws and possesses strong hands, Follows the quarterback across the field to make him an available target. Lays out and extends to come away with difficult grabs and possesses the hand-eye coordination. Uh, long story short, I mean, the, the guy said it in about 20 different ways. He has good hands, 
when his hands are being useful, he's going to come down with the catch. He has a high catch radius. He's willing to give his body up to make some plays. And it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened with Mon this year because of Mon's completion rating went up, his accuracy got better, his protection got better, and AM was really missing that number one receiver. So it would have been really, really interesting to see how Mond, who used Osmond as his number one guy, would have flourished this year. Unfortunately, we won't see that because of he opted out. Now, again, I mean, this is mentioned so many times. Makes difficult receptions, makes difficult receptions. To me, the question is, why are they difficult? Are they difficult because of it's a poorly thrown ball? Are they difficult because of their contested catches with great coverage? Are they difficult because of they're coming in at a window? Are they? Is it difficult because of he has to overexpand his body to make the play? Difficult catches doesn't mean jack squat to me if you're not explaining what it comes down to. So, a difficult catch in great coverage where you're getting jump balls and you're coming down with them 80% of the time and you're not allowing the defender to come up with them for more than, say, 2% of the time, so that other 18% is it's just a drop ball. Yeah, that's a that's making difficult catches. Making difficult catches because of a quarterback is throwing behind you isn't really a difficult catch, in my opinion. It's a catch that is a poor thrown from a quarterback. You get what I'm saying? There is a difference between the two. Now, again, with any other quarterback out there, does Osmond also have a connection? I don't think a lot of people also understand that. Since they entered college, Kellen Mond was working with Javon Osmond, and Osmond was working with Mond, and there was never really another quarterback that stepped in. That level is also a factor, especially when you didn't play this past season. So, a Devonta Smith, a Jamar Chase, a... Jalen Waddell, even a Rashad Bateman, of Rondale Moore, they've played with multiple different multiple different quarterbacks. It allows them to have time to develop a cadence on what works with a certain quarterback. If you've only worked with one guy, you know one guy's system and how he works. And there were some negatives about him, of course. Uh, there was a lackness of quickness and overall uh, uh, play speed. Struggles to separate, shows an inconsistency, showed inconsistencies at Texas A&M. It's a lazy comp. I mean, I'm sorry, man. I, um, I'm not going to name the writer of this, but it's such a lazy comp on this. Yeah, he lacked, I would say, play speed. He didn't lack quickness. He actually was very quick out of his break. You can't say, oh, he makes great catches when trying, you know, when playing against coverages and then struggling to separate. So then that means that he doesn't make good catches in, contest, in contested plays. So here would be my analogy for what I just read. Long story short, Osmond is a good slot option. As a slot, coming across the middle of the field, short play option. Get the ball in his hands, on third and short, let him work. Let him go do some out routes, let him run some in routes, some slants, some uh, curls, Quick hits, get the ball out of his hands and into the hands of somebody else. That's what I would say. That's where he works best. That's where he's going to be. Two years of, almost two years of no film hurts your stock. I would recommend right now, and according to their uh, the blogger's site, uh, Tony Pauline has said 
that he ranks him as the 183rd player on his big board, which would put him as a fifth round grade. Fifth to seventh round is where I would go with Osmond. He hasn't played in a year. You have no idea what to expect. His pro day is going to be so important to him. If he struggles at pro day, his status as an NFL player is going to come into jeopardy. Not just him, like his actual status. Any struggles for pro day, not playing in 2020, yeah, you can automatically mark that up as an undrafted free agent. Osmond can be the most talented receiver in the world. He could shine wherever he lands. A bad pro day and zero film from last season automatically puts you in the undrafted free agent pool. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us here on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. On tomorrow's show, I'm going to get my thoughts just on the actual NCAA tournament because of the NCAA tournament does have a multitude of teams from the SEC featured in it. And also, where does Kellen Mond best fit at the next level? I'll tell you that and much, much more. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, you get me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.